Good morning, everyone. It is the 28th of March. My name is Lorna Denny, and I'm joined today by Nal McDonnell and Alex Byrne. Equity markets were mixed last week, with US and Japanese indices showing some strength, while European bourses were weaker. Price of oil remained volatile, responding to developments in Ukraine, and also to attempts to broaden sources of supply away from Russian exports. But now it's fair to say that the fixed income markets are still struggling. Is this a reflection of rising forecasts for inflation or plans for higher interest rates or both? Good morning, Lorna. Yes, the first quarter of 2022 is looking like it's going to be one of the worst quarters on record for fixed income returns. So the December meeting of the Fed brought about a hawkish shift in policy. And then from early January onwards, interest rates have risen and bond prices have fallen across the board. So looking at our fixed income monitoring, we can see that there's no bond market this year that has posted positive returns. What's been driving this shift is the resilient nature of the inflation that we have seen post the reopening of global economies from the COVID crisis. Energy prices also have surged last year and into this year for a number of unique factors, but this has been further exacerbated by the Russian invasion of Ukraine, which has caused energy prices to skyrocket. Western governments have placed sanctions on Russia and are looking to wean themselves off Ural oil, and this has caused price pressures as supply has been limited by these sanctions. Yes, there is talk now of inverted yield curves in the government bond markets again. That is when short-term yields move higher than long-term yields. Are we quite there yet? Yes, we have seen some inversion in the yield curve at certain points. And uh, why is this important? Well, an inverted yield curve has a pretty good track record of predicting recession. So just on Friday, the difference from the three-year, five-year interest rate is higher than the 10-year interest rate. So for example, the five-year interest rate is 2.54% and the 10-year interest rate is 2.47%. So what the bond market is saying is that, yes, short-term yields will go higher as the economy is arguably running hot, but longer term, things aren't that rosy. And there is a risk of a recession as the fiscal pulse from COVID recovery wears off and tighter financial conditions start to bite. Indeed, just this morning, the five-year 30 rate has inverted. So that's the difference between the five-year interest rate and the 30-year interest rate. And this is inverted for the first time since 2006. Now, this is not a great leading indicator, as in 2006, we were still two years away from recession. And also, it failed to predict the last downturn as well. But nonetheless, worth keeping an eye on those indicators. And Alex, GDP growth is, of course, the other macro indicator where forecasts are being adjusted and this time downwards. And the scale of these cuts seems to depend on proximity to the war in Ukraine. We saw a fairly big cut in forecasts for German growth, for instance. That's right, Lorna. We're starting to see these come through now. As you mentioned, the German one is a key one. German IFO Institute cut GDP forecast from 3.7 for this year, 2.2 at 3.1. The direct impact of Ukraine and the knock-on effects are beginning to come through in the growth numbers and the earnings. These take time to be analysed through. And for this reason, it's somewhat concerning that markets are where they are, basically before they were in the invasion. As we mentioned before, it's less the direct impact on imports and exports. Ukraine and Russia have an outsized position in certain commodities, both energy and metals, but also in things such as wheat. The growth globally, but most directly in Europe, will be affected by how much the supply of these are affected. For instance, how long and how high the price of oil is sustained. Yes, indeed. And yet, a number of the flash or early PMI indicators remain positive for March. 
They do. So with the surveys that make up the Purchasing Managers Index, this is the first instance we've had where they've considered that invasion, really. Although the numbers were below last month in Europe, both the overall manufacturing and servicing numbers have both beaten the market expectations quite significantly. Within individual countries, the amounts vary, with some being only marginal, but less overall than they were last month. The US was also markedly higher on both metrics, even more so than last month, indicating there's been a positive effect on confidence following the invasion somehow. Although we see this appear to not be so worrying at a headline level, the underlying line data is fairly foreboding, showing how quickly the increase in energy prices have been felt at company levels. The likelihood is this broadening of inflation in the coming months influences further downgrades on the overall growth. Yes, and near term, then the week ahead, we have a meeting of OPEC, which could finally respond to pressure to raise production levels and calm the oil markets. Otherwise, the markets will be looking for further commentary from the US Fed on all this, Niall. Yes, indeed, Lorna. I think the market pays close attention to any comments by any Fed chairman in any broadcast that they have. So last week, Fed Chairman Powell said the Fed will move expeditiously on interest rates. And this caused quite a sell-off in government bond markets. So what the market has taken this to mean is that at one to two meetings this year, we could see a 50 basis points increase. Indeed, looking at swap markets, there's a pricing in of about seven more interest rate hikes for this year. So we are in a period of quite aggressive interest rate hiking cycle. Yes, and as far as inflation goes, is that this week we should get the US PCE inflation figure, and that's the Fed's preferred measure. Yes, that's coming out on Thursday, and it's looking that it's going to forecast for about 6.4% for the year. So inflation still running very hot, and which is forcing Fed's hand to hike interest rates, as we mentioned. Yes, and that compares unfavorably with the Fed's target of 2%. And Alex, the end of the week brings the first day of the month, and as usual, a raft of data, including final PMIs from the major economies. Yeah, we get the finalised PMI number, which shouldn't change too much from the original deliveries, which have been fairly positive on the whole. Alongside these, we also get CPI numbers, inflation numbers in Europe. So we can begin to put these together with that increasing input prices for companies in the PMIs and see what kind of effect this is having on overall inflation at an economic level. And of course, the non-farm payrolls in the US, there was a strong figure for February. What are the expectations like for March then? So the expectations are for a decrease in non-farm payrolls, but overall a fairly moderate number, with the previous, as you say, being significantly higher than expectations, with a mild reduction in overall unemployment to 3.7% from 3.8%. Thank you both very much indeed. Thank you, Lorna. Thank you, Lorna.